Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Mark and Sarah talk about songs. Talk about songs. Talk about songs. We sure do talk about songs, and welcome to episode number 122 of us talking about songs. That theme song, by the way, was by David Gregory Byrne, and this voice belongs to me, Mark Blankenship. I am also here with another voice that belongs to my co-host, Sarah D. Bunting. Hello, Sarah. Hello. Uh, and also, before we move any further, patrons, I, uh, listeners, I should say, oh, Freudian slip, guess what's coming? I just want to <laughs> let you know this would be a wonderful time to join us at patreon.com slash mastus, where you can become a patron of Mark and Sarah Talk About Songs. Not only will you have access to special monthly patron-only episodes, you will also be given the opportunity to vote in the polls that impact our ranking episodes. Plus, you would be able to help us keep the lights on here, and we would appreciate you forever and send you a Care Bear stare full of love across the airwaves. But enough about that, because we have many things to discuss. Sarah, can you tell us which song we will be discussing today? Uh, I sure can. We are discussing Kesha's, or Ke dollar sign, ha. I, I, should, I shouldn't joke. Um, I really like Kesha. I watched her entire reality show on MTV. Oh. Uh, you can find all of that at previously.tv. Uh, I think I like ranked all the people in it. It was sort of an interesting experiment because we didn't, I think, know everything that we know now um, about that piece of shit, Dr. Luke. Anyway, we are discussing at the request of Jim C. Uh, Kesha's Praying, which I believe was a... Mark, you're going to have to tell me where it charted, but it is pretty recent. It's from... It's from last year. It's a it's 2017 comeback single that did chart in the top 40 and was on the chart for quite some time. Um, I heard this song first in a lift um, on the way home from cocktails. I shazammed it. I bought it. I listened to it for the rest of the car ride. And by the time I was deposited at home, this may have been partly the fault of bourbon but i think it's mostly the song that i was just like this teary cauldron of sympathetic fury so i i think we both feel pretty strongly about this song and the the many things it does and the many ways it is so before we get into that let's hear a clip
Oh, that high note. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> wow. Um, so this was not in the clip, but she has a line delivery not long before this in the song with the line, I'm proud of who I am. Mm. That is quite possibly the most heartbreaking line delivery in recent pop. Um, You know, I think this is the truth for her, but she's also so tired and feels so isolated with everything that's happening to her and that this song communicates so effectively, in my opinion, the position that women are put in where in order to be heard, we're supposed to control the rage. And we're supposed to forgive for our own self-preservation and mental health. And it's an unfair burden and not possible. And that she communicates this struggle that I think so many of us, not just women, but so many of us have with what is going on around us in the world today. And this feeling that you just want to become like the opening of the arc at the end of Raiders of the Lost Ark, this like... um sight that will kill with its white hot rage um and and how do you like live your life without being completely consumed by your own fire and then rise from the ashes which she talks about very explicitly in in the song um this also has the effect of making me want to both give her a huge hug and be and have a huge hug from her like to give her strength but also to power off of her obvious strength and resilience and it's just really an amazing song that almost is not even a song anymore it like it we're in like we've passed anthem and now we're like somewhere else we're in um i don't even know some some holy some holy thing so that's where i am with that and it won a grammy and that's fucking a right good good job good job what it did what did it win a grammy for somehow i Um, missed i have forgotten that i think it was best female vocal that seems that seems right something why don't you talk and i will uh google very good um so here's what i will say I first and foremost want to talk about the song as a song, although that is incredibly difficult considering (laughs) how this song is is positioned in the arc of pop culture narrative uh, from the last few years. Like, but before we get into all of that, I do think that the greatest revenge is that the song is a good song. It actually is a it's a good song it is well structured the the melody is good the vocal is great there's something very satisfying about the build uh it's a very classical song uh not in the sense of beethoven classical music but just it's got a very recognizable structure of build 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 chorus of voices hollering high note like 
it's satisfying. It's a satisfying song that I enjoy listening to, and it is very well suited to Kesha's gifts as a singer. Uh, she is someone who thrives, I think, when she is allowed to sound a little ragged. Her voice has power, mm-hmm. but it doesn't necessarily have beauty. But I don't think that's a problem. She just, her voice she is not. She sounds very pinky on this track. Yes. I remember thinking that and wondering if you would note that. And while I'm, while I'm interrupting, it was nominated for Best Pop Solo Performance, but apparently did not win. So excuse me. But well, it should still, have. It was the first. I remember clearly that they were. It was the first Grammy nomination Kesha had ever received. But I. So that's great. Um, well, and she lost to Adele, which you know that's. What are you happen. gonna do? Good luck, girl. Uh, so so to Beyonce that year, you know, get in line. We all lose to Adele, and we're we're happy about it. Actually, I think Adele is gonna take over this podcast next week. <laughs> it's about goddamn time. She was supposed to show up here in like episode ninety five, girl. I know, but she's hello. always working. She's worked slow. It takes me seven years to get a new album out. Okay, sister, I'm tired of your laziness. <laughs> anyway, point being. Kesha's voice has power, but not beauty to me, meaning it isn't pristine. It's not necessarily effortless in its sound the way that Pat Benatar can can be a loud rock rock singer who also has a certain effortless quality. You always hear, I think, the work in Kesha's singing, but I like that. I think it makes her sound like a real person. It feels like real emotion is being communicated, and a song like this does a great job. Um, I also want to talk about... You can also hear the pedals of the yes. piano in the beginning yes. which I like. I like that those strings were sort of left hanging. But then that leads us sort of I guess to the next thing about the song. This song is so clearly there there's just no getting around it. This song was intended to be Kesha's first statement after her after she was allowed to make music again thanks to a years long legal battle with the shit heel Dr. Luke. And uh, for those of you who don't know, just a quick pocket summary. She levied accusations against Dr. Luke that have been supported in their in their uh, plausibility, if not in their specifics, by many other people in the music industry, that he was sexually, physically, emotionally abusive to her and was trying to control and manipulate her life and her career and she was trying to get out of this really draconian contract with him. And he fought back. And because of that, she was forced to be professionally silent uh, in terms of recording new music for quite some time. This song was released. And it was its topic is, I am trying to forgive you as I pick myself up out of the rubble that you left me in. And I want to talk, Sarah, about the fact that this song almost I feel like had to be the type of song where you hear the piano pedals because the we have a certain code for authenticity as music listeners. And if it had not mm-hmm. sounded like this, I don't know if it would have meant the same thing to us. Yeah, I think she had to go to this. I mean, I have I own some other Kesha songs, but they're very different to this, of course. Um, they're different as night and fucking day. And I think that not only did she not, like, she couldn't go back there because that was all just burnt by him. Yeah, Um, that sound, the sound of her earlier music, even if she loved making it and even if she made another great electro pop song, you're right. It would be the Dr. Luke sound still. Yeah. 
So I think she needed to go to this, I would say, like, Gaga place. Mm. Even though, like, this isn't something, you would not listen to this and be like, oh, that's very, that's very Gaga. But the thing about Lady Gaga is that she um, has, like, her her gift and also the work she puts in with the gift are you know like they're evident in the work all the time like even if it's very produced you know that that's you know mindful yes so i i think that kesha needed to leave some you know like tags and holes like in in this thing to quote show the work if that makes mm. any sense that mm-hmm. it's like as whatever stephanie germanati you know gaga was making this kind of thing and sort of not really getting anywhere and and then she you know then she took on this persona and began making a much more produced sounding sound and you know now she's in a star is born and you're sort of seeing a little bit more of the 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 frayed edges and the hems and you know what makes her compelling is the the voice and the the talent and the ear so i can see i don't know if i don't know if kesha sat down and was like i need to be more like that and show what i can do and the effort that it takes to do it mm-hmm. i don't know if that was conscious but this is a you know big departure from her usual sound and it's like she's sort of standing at a crossroads basically like where where is she going to go from here in terms of her sound um her artistry how she defines her own like how much of this narrative this sort of you know lawsuit abuse struggle is going to be part of her story going forward. So yeah, I'm interested I, to see, I'm interested to see what she does next, but yes. you know, this song is like, it, I did sort of have in mind, like I, I love the song for the song and also for the Supra song. Yes. But I did have sort of in mind as I was listening to it, uh, that Tori Amos track that we talked about in that ranking episode that it's like, well, are we really supposed to rank this? Oh it's yeah, like her me and a gun raped. Yeah. Yes. So well, except there, I there would say that, that the difference is that me and a gun was not released as a sing- as the lead single from an album, and this was released as the lead single from her new studio album. It was definitely put out into the world for us to respond to, and it was yeah. meant to be a defiant um, statement and. I also am very interested to see where Kesha goes from here because I feel like she, as we just said, needed to make a song where you hear the work, you see the work, and we can know for a damn fact that Dr. Luke was not the reason that Kesha was a musician. And it's also telling, I think, that on the album Rainbow that this song is on, she covers the Dolly Parton song Old Flames Can't Hold a Candle to You, which her mother wrote for dolly parton huh so and dolly parton comes on and sings 
backing vocals on her version of Old Flames Hold a Candle to You. So she's like, guess what, everybody? My damn mother wrote a song for Dolly Parton, which I'm going to sing now, and Dolly Parton's going to sing on it with me. How's that for a cosign? F everybody. Yeah. And now I feel like because she had to, narratively speaking, do this kind of thing and show, show like, look, I can make great music that doesn't sound at all like that Dr. Luke music. I feel like now if her next release were a an electropop album, it would be like electropop on Kesha's terms. You know, like I feel like she's given to as far as I'm concerned, I would be happy to listen to whatever she does next because I'm just interested. Girl, where are you going? Tell me. Well, and she's always been kind of like, she's always been kind of um, like a, a pastiche that was pretty unapologetic about it. Like, I think she took plenty of clocking for rapping and she was like, what? I wanted to try it and I tried it. Yeah. And I'll dry my tears with, you know, about your disapproval with my money. Oh, wait, I won't. Dr. Luke took it. Um, well, yeah. And also, sorry to interrupt you. No, I mean, uh, what I also remember about the show is that she, like, she's still only 31. So she's like, girl has lived. But I, I, there was like a sort of charming um, enthusiasm to her that she's just like, well, let you know, let's try stuff. And the fact that all of this was clearly going on. And that maybe she was so happy to have this show and be out on tour because <laughs> Dr. Luke was like back in the States and she didn't have to deal with them. Um, not something I think that occurred to us at the time. But I, you know, I think that she has as an artist, a sense of adventure that is not necessarily constrained by um, other people being like you can't do that or like that's that's not for you to try right but again because we don't know we're gonna need another couple of years i think to see how much uh dr luke was an influence i would say anyway sorry go ahead well and it's also making me think about the fact that it is always the narrative when a female pop singer or really a male pop singer it's always the narrative that Straight ahead pop music is dismissed as being phony and not and almost beneath contempt, and it's always assumed that whoever the artist is, they are just a, a dummy, a prop, a cardboard cutout that's being set up so that we'll have something to look at while the backstage, behind the scenes men make the sounds. And that was definitely the thing that some people were saying about Kesha when TikTok and Your Love Is My Drug, which I love that song by the way. Uh, when those songs were out and it's just making me feel like I just had the flash of, I hope that this is a reminder that really like Lady Gaga, Kesha, they are women who helped, I think, force the culture to reckon with the fact that these up, up at the front of the stage pop stars actually are artists. Uh, Madonna obviously is another one who has done that, like forcing us to see that being a dance-oriented pop star or, like, avant-garde art-oriented pop star, like, that actually does make you an artist and you're not just a puppet. And so many pop stars have to fight. They always have the arc of, now I'm going to have the moment where I show you who I really am. I'm going to strip away the makeup. I'm going to strip away the whatever and release my authentic album. And I just feel like uh, I've lost my train of thought a bit, but Kesha is absolutely 
like the prime avatar now of the authenticity arc. So is Lady Gaga now that she's quite conscientiously removing her makeup in scenes of Star is Born. But it's just interesting. And I but I feel like, and maybe I'm being overly optimistic here, that we're also at a place now where we don't immediately assume that you have to de-authenticate or you have to yourself by making pop music and like maybe Gaga or Kesha or whoever can now, if they want to release music, that's like super avant-garde, super produced, super electronic. And we will think, Oh yeah, I see that as part of your artistry. Beyonce, another great example of that. Like, yeah, it's fine. but it's not. And I think that, you know, I think women artists have to struggle with that more. It's just a feeling I get, at least in terms of like the listening public not viewing um, electronica or heavy, not heavy production, but let's say advanced or um, like deep tissue production, um, viewing that as A, not artistry and B, necessarily a pejorative because that must be in the service of disguising some flaws. Right. Either narratively, vocally. And look, we've we've all heard some share singles of late, and we know that sometimes that's true. Uh, you'd have to auto-tune me out into space um, <laughs> to make anything that I sang to, like tolerable to the ear. It's Except fine. Except for your reinterpretation of John Cicada, which yeah. I think we all agree <laughs> is ready to be released to the radio right now. Even John Cicada's like, yeah, that was pretty good shit. Um, but yeah, I think that that's I think that that's always like a knock on a female artist, and also that the assumption is that it's just her up there singing. She doesn't know how to play any instruments. She's just there to look pretty, and then occasionally run into the wings and change into some other seventy eight pound sequined outfit. And another parallel with Gaga that I'm seeing that I I think is. Well, I'll get I'll come back to this part of the point in a second. But did you I mean, we both watched the Gaga documentary, which I yes. didn't love, but I was impressed by the fact that like she's just in pain, like physical pain most of the time. Right. And yet she's still doing all of this and like she's she's acting, she's writing songs, she's evolving her brand. And, you know, Kesha had to go to rehab for bulimia, which Dr. Luke basically gave her by telling her body was built like a refrigerator. Like, just go fuck yourself to death, Dr. Luke, with bees. You're the worst. Come at me, bro. Um, But that Kesha, Kesha also has to do that. And I think a lot of, a lot of artists have to do that, have to deal with, um, like chronic pain, migraine disorder, substance abuse, and still, you know, be in public and try to tell their stories in song and try to um, try to make listeners understand what's really happening and what they've really made. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if, like, I know that Gaga is an icon in the drag community it and i'm wondering if kesha enjoys the same regard because i think that building 
of maintenance of um, armor. Like these two, these two ways of doing that inform each other, if that makes any sense at all. Uh, absolutely. And in fact, there is a brilliant performance uh, that you can see on YouTube by Sasha Valour doing Praying. And they, really? it's like, Sasha Valour is the queen who I feel like is going to get Kesha's whole deal. But you're right. Like, there is that, that the, it's that, that authenticity of the performance. It might sound like an oxymoron, but it's real. And a drag queen, like the, the, the pain, the, the beauty that comes out of the pain, all of that. It's like, yeah, that's very much like what the drag aesthetic is meant to explain, at least sometimes. Yeah. That there's, and you know, per our, per our last episode, there's also that, dark humor that dark humor in it like the that parallels country music so right (laughs) since dolly parton i think would be the first to tell you that basically she is also a drag queen yes (laughs) but she is you know she is a our fierce warrior secular saint so i guess long story short kesha well done we're excited to see what you do next Mm, indeed um, and I would love to hug you unless you're not into that, in which case I will, uh, give you an encouraging and respectful double thumbs up. This, <laughs> me too. That's four thumbs up for Kesha. Y'all, Mark and Sarah Talk About Songs is hosted by Mark Blankenship, a.k.a. me, and Sarah D. Bunting, and it's edited by Sarah D. Bunting as well. Do you want to talk to Mark and Sarah about song requests, ads, or birthday readings? Email us at talkaboutsongs at gmail.com, tweet us at TalkSongs, or find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash mastus.podcast. To become a supporter and producer of this podcast, visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash mastus, where you can get access to all kinds of cool bonus content and vote in our ranking episodes. Thanks for listening. Talk about songs, talk about songs, talk about songs. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.
You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.